So, if there's one thing that goes hand in hand with gardening, it is fertilizer. Have you ever met a gardener who isn't on the lookout for good fertilizer? And if there's any one thing that goes hand in hand with fertilizer, it's Nipic. That's right, I said Nipic. So what is Nipic? Well, that's what we're gonna learn about on today's episode of the Vintage Gardener Podcast, which is where I give you tips and tricks on gardening, particularly if you're like me and you garden in Southern New Jersey, which is zone 7A. What is NIPIC? Well, NIPIC is an acronym and it's N-P-K. I just call it NIPIC because to me, that's what it looks like. So what is N-P-K? Well, I'm glad you asked. It has to do with the fertilizer bottle. And so I have one right here. This is Garden Elements Bud and Bloom Plant Food. And so if you look on the label, and I will give you a closer view, you will see that there are three numbers, 10, 52, and eight. So 10, the first number is N, 52 is P, the second number, and eight is K, which is the third number. So what do they stand for? Well, N stands for nitrogen, P stands for phosphorus, and K stands for potassium. Yeah, I know. It's like, why does K stand for potassium when potassium starts with a P? Well, that all goes back to high school chemistry. And I just realized that for me, high school chemistry was 24 years ago. I feel old. Not quite as old as my house, which is 180, but old. So if you remember back to those pesky days of high school chemistry and the periodic table, K stands for kalium, which is the medieval Latin word for potash. And what is potash? Well, potash is potassium. So that's where we get it. So now nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are known as the big three in terms of plant nutrients. They are macronutrients because those are the three nutrients that the plants need most. Now that's not to say that they don't need any other nutrients because they do. As a matter of fact, there are probably between 17 to 22 other nutrients that plants need, but they need them in much smaller quantities. And so those other nutrients are known as micronutrients. So what do NPK do? Well, nitrogen helps the plant grow foliage, green, just think of those leaves. It helps with photosynthesis uh, to help the plant get energy. It helps with uh, seed production, seed setting, and even some fruit to a little bit. If you don't have enough nitrogen in your plant or in your soil, then you're, you'll probably notice that your plants will have a, they're gonna be yellowish. It's different from you know the yellow you get when there's lack of iron, but it is going to be yellow. They won't get that deep, vibrant green. Then there's phosphorus. Well, phosphorus takes care of root development. It also helps with uh, flower production and fruit production. And in general, it facilitates moving nutrients from the roots through the plant. 
And then there's potassium. And potassium is kind of like just overall general health. So if you, a short way of keeping all three of these straight is up, down, and all around. And you've probably heard a lot of people say that, or there's another one that shoots roots and all around. That's what it's referring to. So now that you know what NPK or NPK stands for, now let's talk about the significance of the numbers on your container. So in my example, mine is 10, 52, and eight. So what does that mean? What that means is that of that, of that fertilizer, 10% is nitrogen, 52% is phosphorus, and 8% is potassium. Pretty simple, huh? That begs the question, like when you have a fertilizer, what exactly is it you should be looking for? Well, generally speaking, when you're getting a fertilizer, you want something to be balanced. You want equal amounts of all of the elements. If you can fi find it, I'll be quite honest, if you go into a supermarket, there are not, or I guess I should say a garden center, there really aren't that many that are like, you know, 10, 10, 10, 15, 15, 15. So before you decide to go out and grab some fertilizer and throw it on your plants, let's talk about which one you should be using. What are the magic numbers if you can't find one that's balanced? Well, you know, even if you can find one that's balanced, there are some things you should take into consideration before you buy it. Number one, do you have soil deficiency? If you remember in two podcast episodes ago on dirt, I talked about the fact that sometimes your soil, for whatever reason, can be extraordinarily deficient in a particular nutrient. As a matter of fact, I just recently saw a YouTube video from Yulia, who's also in New Jersey, who is in North Jersey, which is, I think she's zone 6A or 6B. Um, she's, it's definitely a lot more it's a lot cooler up there, but she's having an issue with her elephant ears, which is pretty much just a foliage plant. And so she's having issues with it for the past couple of years, did a soil test and determined that the nitrogen was very depleted. And so she amended the soils with organic and inorganic elements to bring the nitrogen up. And this year her elephant ears were huge. So that is a deficiency that you may have. You may have phosphorus deficiency. You may notice that your leaves are starting to turn purple at the edges. You may have a potassium deficiency. You may notice that all of a sudden your leaves look all shriveled and crunchy. So you may, if you have that issue, you may need to have fertilizer that specifically targets those things. So for example, if you have a nitrogen deficiency, you know, you're gonna be looking for blood meal alfalfa meal, corn gluten, they're all straight nitrogen. For phosphorus, you're gonna be looking for things like bone meal. Uh, for potassium, there actually is just a straight potassium that you add to the soil. There isn't anything like special, like a bone meal or that sort of thing. Though I think bone meal does have some potassium in it, you know, um, does have potassium in it. And so that's what you may be, that's what you may need to do. Then maybe there's soil issues. Like for example, um, you're, um, your pH is your soil acidic. Do you need to add lime? Lime is, and for the life of me, I can't remember the, uh, the Latin name for lime, but I assure you there is one. 
Then if you've got alkaline soil, you wanna add sulfur. And sulfur is the name of the element. I remember that one. And so you may have to correct for that. Uh, the other thing that the pH of the soil is going to affect is if you have issues with, like for example, phosphorus, and you need to amend for phosphorus, depending upon your soil pH is gonna depend upon what phosphorus supplement that you can use. One particular phosphorus supplement really can be only, is really only good if you have acidic soil where something like um, bat guano, that's designed for alkaline soil. So that's something you wanna consider. And so for the, these things, uh, soil deficiencies or soil condition issues, you definitely need to take a soil test because that's the only way you're really gonna know. Then the third thing is, well, what exactly are you trying to grow? Because like, for example, grass. Grass is just leaves. I mean, basically the blade of grass, those are, those are leaves. It's just, it's all green. So yeah, when you have grass, you're gonna need to fertilize it differently than say a strawberry, which is a heavy fruit production. You need the yield. So you wouldn't use the fertilizer for strawberry on grass and vice versa because you're not going to get the same results. So let's just say for the sake of example that you've taken a soil test and your soil comes back perfect. You have all of the macronutrients and exactly just, just, you're just in the fertile zone. You've got everything where it needs to be. You got all 22 of the micronutrients. You've got like gold in your yard. You might want to bag that and start selling it because you can make a killing. What do you do if you need a fertilizer? Well, if you need to fertilize, <laughs> because if you got it, if you got that good, I personally wouldn't be fertilizing, but we'll discuss that in a different episode. So what would you do if everything is okay, but you want a fertilizer? Well, if you can't get your hands on a balanced fertilizer, which I'll be quite honest, you might not be able to because they, there's not a whole lot of balanced fertilizers either. What do you concentrate on? Do you concentrate on nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium? Well, gotta be quite honest, and I'm not really sure why, when I did the research, there isn't a lot of research on, you know, potassium in fertilizer. And I, I think one of the reasons is because it seems like with the things that are high in phosphorus, it seems like the phosphorus and the potassium kind of go hand in hand. So really it's just the whole nitrogen phosphorus debate. Which one should you do? I feel like I should sell tickets and like we put the nitrogen and phosphorus in a ring and like duke it out or something. You know, it really depends. There, there's, there are two schools of thought on it. Let's just put it that way. So let's go over them. So the first school of thought is what I learned when I first got into gardening when I was 27. Yeah, that was 13 years ago. Can you believe it? I look good though, don't I? Okay, so as you know from past podcasts as well as YouTube videos, I started out gardening because of roses. And so what I was told by one of the members, actually a couple of the members of the West Jersey Rose Society is that when you're looking for, um, when you're looking for fertilizers with roses and other flowering things, I'm not talking about grass, I'm talking about other flowering plants, you want to make sure that the p-value is 
the highest because if you have a high nitrogen value, what that's gonna, what's gonna happen is your plant is going to put on a lot of follicular growth, so you're gonna get a lot of leaves, and it may get big, but you won't have any blooms. And, you know, at that point, I had started doing a little research on my own, and so I had seen things online, like people were asking questions, like, you know, why aren't my flowers blooming and it turned out like for example when they were uh, fertilizing their lawns they were overshooting with the fertilizer and so the high nitrogen that you need for a lawn was getting on the flowers and so that's why their flowers weren't blooming so you know what it made sense. so to me their advice made complete sense and it's it seemed pretty pretty simple but of course if it really was that simple would i be doing this podcast no uh-uh. I followed their advice, but I wasn't getting like spectacular results. Like the way they said your plants would be blooming, that wasn't happening for me. And as you know, I grow David Austin roses pretty much exclusively or some or old garden roses. So it's either old garden, like bourbons, noisettes and that sort of thing, or it's David Austin. I don't do, I'm not into hybrid teas and that, you know, the hybrid teas that we have on the market. I'm just not into that. And so one thing about David Austin roses is that they're not really, they're, they're primarily landscape roses. And by landscape roses, I mean that you will literally get a nickel's worth out of those blooms. So like, you know, if you have five minutes of rain, all the blooms are off your plants. It's kind of disappointing sometimes. So with landscape rose, provided that it wasn't raining, you would get maybe two, maybe three days if you're lucky of a beautiful bush. And then all of the blooms would fall off and they didn't fall off like a little bit. It was just kind of like there, one day they were there, <laughs> then they were gone. And then it would take weeks for the plant to, to, you know, set new buds and that sort of thing. And it was like, it only seemed to set buds once the prior ones had flushed and fallen off. And of course, you know, I would deadhead them. And so I was just not happy with this because I spent a lot of time with a rose bush that had nothing on it. So I started doing some research and this was, uh, by this point, I think I was in my early thirties. So this was years ago. And quite frankly, I don't remember those links because back then I didn't think I was going to be podcasting or else I would have taken more notes. Uh, but one of the things I was seeing was that at that time, there was more um, evidence coming out that high phosphorus in the fertilizers for blooms was really not, it was not all that it was cracked up to be. And I second that one because there really wasn't. And so they were actually saying that the nitrogen needed to be higher, not the phosphorus. Uh, there was concerns about um, having too much phosphorus in the soil because uh, of the two, the nitrogen depletes a lot more quickly than the phosphorus. And that, you know, adding like with high phosphorus, it just wasn't, it wasn't really necessary. So why two different schools of thought? Why was, you know, at first they were saying phosphorus and now they're saying nitrogen. Well, I think a lot of it was just a matter of research. And I think that 
it seemed like with the stuff that came out later about having more nitrogen, it seemed there seemed to be a better understanding of the interplay between nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Uh, for lack of better expression, there is really a synergy amongst these nutrients. And what do I mean by that? Um, so I got this information from, there was an article from University of Massachusetts, as well as um, the Texas Cooperative Exchange, and I will post the links in the video description so you can read them. I don't know why I tell you guys that I always forget to post the links. So if you want to find them, Google the terms too much phosphorus in the soil and it should pull it, it should pull it up for you or over over fertilization with phosphorus. And one of those two articles, if not both, are going to pop up for you. Okay. One of the things that both articles were recognizing was that you know, through their studies was that nitrogen needs to be higher because nitrogen, it, the nitrogen actually does help the plant take up, um, take up the phosphorus that's actually there. So in reality, you can, you need less phosphorus than the nitrogen because it makes the phosphorus more readily available. Um, the other thing that they were realizing was that, and I can't remember which article it was, is that when you have high phosphorus in the fertilizer, it actually causes, it causes a problem. Uh, the biggest problem is that there is this type of fungi and it's called my, micro, mycorrhizal, I'll put it. <laughs> on the on the screen it's a mycorrhizal fungi it's the type of fungi that if for example if you order from david austin roses that's the type of thing that they recommend for root development one thing they were finding was that excess um phosphorus was actually damaging that and so the plant's ability to uptake nutrients in general was being um was being comp compromised uh the additional thing is that i like i said from the articles I was reading, not just the University of Massachusetts and the Texas one, but other articles that I had been, re had been reading in the past that I don't have the links for, one of the things they were saying was that like nitrogen depletes from the soil much quickly, like plants tend to use it, tend to use more of the nitrogen than the phosphorus. And so the phosphorus was just, you know, staying there. And then, so you could really end up with too much phosphorus in the soil. Uh, the other thing is that um, if you have too much nutrient in the soil, when it rains and that sort of thing, it does, especially like if you're using liquid fertilizer, it does, does wash off and it can get into water rate and that sort of thing. And I'm sure you guys have seen pictures like, like, you know, the algae bloom in water. Yeah, well, that's a result of, you know, can be a result of nitrogen, that sort of thing, but also phosphorus had from the articles I was reading, phosphorus had a really big part to play in that. And we're gonna go over why algae bloom in water is a problem in the next podcast. And so now that what they're saying, now what they're saying is that you need to have more nitrogen uh, compared to the phosphorus. So I have noticed recently that there have been more, a lot more fertilizers that you can find that have a higher nitrogen than phosphorus because when I was looking 
back with my roses when I started seeing this research and started looking for it, um, it was, I didn't see anything that had more nitrogen than phosphorus and I didn't want to use blood meal because I knew then that was really going to go the complete opposite direction and of where I really wanted to go. And so that's how I ended up stumbling on Master Nurseries Liquid Gold, which I think their nipic is 15, 6, and 3. And I changed and started using that. And when I started using that, I noticed that I wasn't just having a flush then three weeks of dead time. I was having a flush, but then the bush was still setting buds. So I was having flush, those would die, then I would have more. So I'm just having continuous, continuous blooms. And so ever since then, that's the fertilizer that I've been using. I've used it on other plants and had similar results. And so that is why, in my opinion, it is the nitrogen value that needs to be higher than the phosphorus value. Now that said, I'm not recommending that you go out and buy a fertilizer that has, you know, an N value of 20 because that's just way too much and you definitely will just get straight green growth because like 20, we're talking about like lawn fertilizer at that point. Um, the maximum in terms of and value would be what I have in my liquid, um, my liquid, um, my liquid, my, my master gardener liquid gold, which is 15. Um, I know that there are some other ones that have higher values than that, that I think are popular. And we're going to go over that in the next podcast. Um, that's just not my thing. And I don't use them for other reasons. And we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about that later. So, in my opinion, the nitrogen value is, um, is, is, is the more important value of the two. So, is your head spinning right now? Do you feel like your brain is about to explode? Yeah, I know how, I know how you feel. Listen, I give you guys a lot of information and I'm going to stop the podcast now. I'm going to come back on a, I'm going to come back with a different episode and we're going to talk more about, uh, we're going to talk more about fertilizer because there's um, other things that we didn't get to discuss. Um, Nipic is one small part of fertilizers. Uh, there's things like organic versus in or, inorganic. We didn't even touch that. Uh, we didn't touch, talk about brands. I mean, because there are so many brands of, of fertilizer, both inorganic and organic and then there's different types of fertilizer you know you got the lawn fertilizer you got the citrus the you know the azalea like there's so many different types and I know for some people especially if you're starting out you're just kind of thinking you know you probably are going oh my gosh like <laughs> I'm going to spend a month of money just trying to you know fertilize my garden because I probably need one of each. Well, the surprising thing is you really don't need one of each. You, you really, you really don't. And so I'll be giving, telling you what things you really need, um, for your garden. And it's going to be, a, you know, it's a lot less and some things you may need, like for example, you may run into a problem one year where you need to buy something specific, but you know, for the most part you can get by with, I can tell you that you're, um, if you have a good garden center that's really trying to be helpful, they'll kind of tell you that you, you really only need this one, you know, as opposed to the people who are going to say, oh yeah, if you're doing this, you're going to need this and trying to load you up just to make a sale. Um, so we'll be going over that. Um, there And then there's other ways to, you know, 
amend your soil, replenish the soil without buying fertilizers. And so we're going to be going over that. And so that's like, you know, crop rotation. That's also um, like cover crops and that sort of thing. And so we'll be going over that, that. And I'll be telling you things that I've done in the past. I'll tell you things I'm doing now. And, um, you know, and things I'm intending to change because now that I'm at Wildfell Manor and this is going to be like my forever home, you know, I do, you know, and I have more space, I am going to be setting things up so that my gardening can be more sustainable. And that's really, I think that's really going to be the key part of the next episode is sustainable, uh, sustainable gardening. Um, your garden is part of a ecosystem, a larger ecosystem. And, you know, fertilizer, even organic stuff does have an effect. It does, it has an effect on the ecosystem. And so there's, it affects it in ways that you probably, you may not realize that it's even affecting it. And so we're going to be going over that. Just things to keep in consideration. Um, you know, I think in, it's not, I think, I know in this country we've become, when it comes to gardening and that sort of thing, we've become very dependent upon um, fertilizer, whether it's organic or inorganic, which is why I said that those are two things that went hand in hand. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, you know, fertilizers, like, like the fertilizers really started out, you know, in a commercial setting with, you know, farmers trying to increase yields. And, you know, for us, you know, we look at things as, you know, more, more plant, you know, more plants, more, more blooms, more, you know, more higher yields for farming. And sometimes, you know, but all of that comes at a cost if you're constantly wanting more and more and more. Uh, one of the reasons I call myself the vintage gardener, because in addition to the fact that, like, for example, I like vintage style houses, which I have, and I like, you know, the vintage style, uh, vintage designs and gardening. Uh, the other thing is that, um, you know, I, I'm trying to, and it's hard, but I'm trying to get away from this whole idea of, it's got to be more and more, you know, more and more and more. You have to have, have to have constant blooms in that. And learning to appreciate the garden and the garden for, you know, like for example, the things that bloom once, like peonies. Like peonies, it's one bloom. And um, I don't think they've ever been able to breed peonies to have more than one, one flush of blooms. And learning to enjoy things, even if they only bloom or, you know, are beautiful and delightful for a short time you know, short period of time and not, you know, rushing out to, you know, trying to fill my garden with things that are, have been selectively bred, you know, to the point that you have to fertilize them to death in order to get them to look us, you know, to have that type of garden. And so, you know, that's, it requires different type of gardening, like, you know, pl planting a lot of variety of plants that bloom at different times so that, you know, you have constant blooms, but not necessarily of the same thing. And so also just, you know, going back to more, I guess, like old fashioned ways in terms of like rotating things in the garden and cover crops to, you know, to, to benefit the health. Because at the end of the day, you know, your plants are fed by the soil. And so you got to take care of the soil and then the soil will take care of the plants. And sometimes, although you know, fertilizers can be helpful in 
taking care of the soil, uh, sometimes they can probably do more harm than good. So we're going to be going over more of that in the next episode. So uh, if you guys are on YouTube, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, if you're new to YouTube, please consider subscribing, uh, like the video, comment um, something. Um, if you guys have questions, put them in the comments. If I get enough questions about fertilizer, what I may do is I may do a separate episode of question and answer, or because I do have a Zoom account, I may actually uh, do a live call-in show where I you know, set up a Zoom chat and um, I'll give you guys can email whoever wants to <laughs> wants to participate. You guys can call in and ask a question, and we can kind of go from there. Um, if you guys are on iTunes and um, or Google Play or Spotify, I don't know that you guys can leave comments on that. But if you want to go to my website, which is thevintagegardenernj.com, the podcast episodes are actually uploaded directly to my blog. And of course, you can leave a comment there and I do get notifications on both my blog and YouTube. So I will respond fairly, fairly promptly. Well, when I'm not working, but I, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty prompt. You don't usually won't usually go a whole day without me getting <laughs> responding unless I'm trying a case and in that case, sorry. But um, so thank you guys so much for watching and listening and I will see you guys and or you'll hear me in the next episode.